0: Welcome to Hotel Happy Hour, a bi-weekly tonic for the hardest working leaders in the industry. I'm your host, Adria Levchenko, co-founder and CEO of Purple Cloud Technologies. Joining us today on our very second episode is Carrie Ranson, Chief Development Officer at HP Hotels. So without further ado, Carrie, what is your drink of choice these days?
1: It depends on the day, but my go to right now is a good single malt scotch to just kind of relax at the end of these um, repetitive, crazy times where any.
0: Yeah, definitely a good one for pandemic. I definitely think that's a great choice. Well, I've known Kerry for several years, and I think that he's a wonderful choice for our podcast because he's got a ton of industry experience, tells it like it is, and he's just a really great person to know overall. But Carrie, for our listeners that may not know you, we'd love it if you could just give us a quick background um, on your time in the industry and what you're focusing on nowadays.
1: Uh, so, time in the industry, uh, which started uh, on the restaurant side, uh, actually, and then moved from the restaurant side into the hotel side, um, is approaching now, uh, God, 27 years. Um, so, you know, I, God, now I say that it sounds, <laughs> I mean, I got a birthday coming up uh, in two weeks, but uh, this speaks to how old I am. Holy cow. So, yeah, yeah uh, 27 years, and uh, look at, at at this point, I'm still learning and learning every day. Um, this is probably a great example of the learning piece where you think you've been through everything that uh, the industry and our economy can throw at you. And then this presents something that everybody looks at and goes, Yeah, never been through anything like this before. So, yeah. Still learning, but, uh, you know, one of these lifers in the industry that's touched and done a whole lot of different things. And um, from our standpoint, we're, you know, from a, you know, our management company has been around now, uh, going on our uh, 19th year this year. And so, you know, for us, we really stuck to what we were when we began and it's, treated us well and has gotten us a lot of um, credibility in, in the industry. And so with that right now we're around uh, 28 hotels in the portfolio. We had had a grouping of portfolios, the uh, assets that sold last year, but um, you know, we were in the midst of some growth there and had brought on some folks to actually allow us to grow. And so know, as we come out of this, we're pretty bullish on some opportunities that will probably show themselves in the latter part of the first quarter, second quarter of next year um, that, you know, I think really sets us up in our skill set as well as what we have to offer from a management perspective uh, pretty well. And so, we we carry all all the different franchise brands Um, we are a preferred manager with IHG Hilton um, Marriott choice Wyndham etc and our assets run in size from a hundred rooms all the way up to four hundred and fifty plus rooms Um, so we, we, we run the gamut and have touched everything and, and still do, and, but really kind of stick to where we have what I call feet on the ground, where we have people that are servicing different markets from an operational sales or revenue standpoint, and they're actually in those markets and live in those markets versus having to get on a plane and working out of our corporate offices. So that's us in a hopefully a quick nutshell, um, and, and me as
0: well. Thanks, Gary. Yeah, so it sounds, you know, that's like a great formula for right now, especially being in local markets and, you know, having all that just diversity across the brands that you guys have. Um, With that, you know, with all those different brands and, you know, all your boots on the ground, what do you think, you know, across your portfolio has been the biggest daily challenge that um, the hoteliers are facing at the property level? Um, And how do you think that overall, you know, everyone's adjusting and adapting to it?
1: Um, Look, I think there's multiple challenges. Um, I don't know and and I'm not sure I'd even weigh some of them uh, over others as far as what I would consider biggest challenges, but I think some of our challenges and I can talk through some of what we're seeing. Um, You know, one that I rank up there is how many of our leaders at the assets and whether it's managers or GMs have never been through a true tough down cycle. And so, you know, think some of those big challenges that come in is one, having to work with them to say, look, for us to keep the doors open or for us to make, you know, ends meet. Here here are some drastic changes we're gonna to have to do. And that's unfortunately gonna take, you know, you potentially cleaning rooms or checking people in, or, you know, unfortunately in some situations taking pay cuts and working, you know, enormous amounts of hours, because if not, then the other ulterior motive with this or not motive, but our, our results become, listen, we're going to have to unfortunately shut the, the doors down. And so, you know, I think it, it's that because you look at it and you feel for your teams. And in most situations, our teams in the field, they're usually right there kind of next to the, our our managers and working and teaching them through this, and for most of this COVID, you know, pandemic, we've had to do it remotely and that's tough. It's tough because you want to be there for the team. And so I think that's probably one of the bigger challenges that I see for us right now is working with our managers. And I think the bigger challenge that I look at as coming out of this is as we start to get busy again and we're having to go and rehire uh, and bring people back on Um, It's going to bring on an entirely different challenge in itself and the fact that, you know, while we'd love to think of ourselves as a great employer and the fact that, you know, our teams are going to come back to us, the reality of the situation is those folks that unfortunately we either had to lay off or furlough, they're going to potentially try, you know, things that may be greener go out of the industry and try something different um, due to potentially sour taste through all of this. But it also is going to open up, you know, new team members that have, you know, maybe perhaps different talents and perhaps a better caliber uh, team member in some situations. But what it is going to do no matter what, is it's going to cause the situation of training from the get-go again. So you're almost reopening an asset. So the time and effort of having to go through training to get someone into your culture or franchises, brands culture. Uh, the, 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 the technology pieces that you may use, whether it's yours as a company or the tie ins from the franchise side, that is a big undertaking. And so when I say challenge, I look at some of our managers knowing the hours and the work that they're doing, and I have a grave concern that coming out of this, you know, how much do we deal with burnout, and how many can, I, can they handle? So then we look inside of ourselves to say, okay, what from above property can we potentially do as we come out of this to take some of this uh, off of their shoulders and, and the burden that that's going to lie there. So, look, there's other challenges that I, you know, whether it's the the booking windows and the inconsistency in those booking windows that are occurring and the fact that you know, labor models that we may have used and used great technology like yours to assist us previously, they, they're great tools. The challenge we have now is I've got you know, salaried managers that are cleaning rooms and doing things like that. And the, the business goes up really quickly, maybe one week and then falls just as drastically the following week. And the manager's not adjusting quickly enough. And some of that has to do because, hey, we haven't adjusted the technology to help us assist them and pushing them to go, hey, you're going to have to bring in people next week. Or, hey, we forecasted 80 rooms, but you know what? Today we only did 25. You're going to need to let people go and previously they may have had warnings that sent them you know emails or texts saying hey you don't need this many people today whereas now some of that unfortunately uh is having to get back to what i call old school that's the way we were brought up where you're making changes in the day for the day manually yourself uh without having notifications so i think that look I i gave you one big challenge but i think that's the other ones that we see kind of right now as well
0: That's definitely what the data is starting to reflect to Skift and Oracle published a report and training was one of the biggest things that came across, you know, and for that exact reason, like you mentioned, burnout, furloughs, retraining, new training completely. So that seems to be hitting a lot of people really hard. Um, And, you know, just kind of a follow up on that question. So you mentioned, you know, that you had these meetings with the team. How did the team really react to those, you know, meetings about, hey, we're going to buckle down, you know, it's going to be hard, this is the way that we're going to have to work to keep the doors open, you know, for the most part was everyone just, you know, jump on team player ready to go, because this is what we have to do. And, you know, everyone's there. And, and how long do you feel like that, that feeling lasts before, like you mentioned, there is a burnout.
1: It's a great question and probably one of those things that actually gives me chills because of the reception that we've received um, from the team and how much willingness they've had to jump in and want to help and actually make uh, and even propose potentially what are even more drastic efficiency changes that, that have to get made. And so they've been beyond receptive. They've, you know, in a lot of situations have perhaps grown up um, and they've really, from an entrepreneur perspective, brought things to the table for us to really sit there and think through and go, okay, this is how we can do it. And this is how we'll get through it. Um, There was a complete uh, escalation of energy and passion Uh, as we started going through this and then as the groundhog day continues day in and day out, um, we've got to find new ways of kind of, I think, you know, energizing them, telling them it's going to be okay. Um, And, and so I think, you know, it's kept, but we've had some ebbs and, and some ups and downs as far as what's occurring with them from a, passion perspective of keeping it going, but that's the piece that, you know, you look at and say, uh, you know, whatever we've done over the years and in our career, you're so thankful, uh, for the team members we have, but just shot, not shocked, but just emotionally moved and what they're willing to give up as well, because at times we're the ones wanting to shoulder the pain for them because they're in the field, you know, bleeding, for for us and for our assets and for our teams in the field and you know here we are they they're they're offering up uh more than we are perhaps even uh on stuff and so that's been really moving for me to see and we've had some downs though and that's some of the things you know we're doing some road shows currently as we go through our business planning process and trying to you know make some touch points with our teams that are out there to, to say thank you and to keep them motivated um but it, it's tough no matter how we look at it Andrea, it's tough um you know and that that absolutely becomes a concern as we keep going i think we had a bit of a this past summer with the. i mean look you had for the most part a majority of our assets saw a lot of transient leisure that kind of boosted us up so we were able to bring some people back on Um, and surprisingly that kept its pace from june until august which has really kept us afloat Um, we'll see what happens um, come october through December. That's that's where I have some concerns that look, this upbeat business, which kind of got people excited. And it's sad to say we we're excited to go from 10 and 12% occupancy to wake up and go, oh my gosh, we're 39%, 40% today. It's a great day. Um, but it was enough to keep I think all of us in in the field uh, motivated, The, the question will be when we potentially have to come back down and let some of the team go that we brought back in because we got busy and then you're going through this process again. That's probably where we're looking at a bit of a danger and how do we handle that and be prepared for it.
0: Yeah, exactly. Those are really solid points. So one of the things you mentioned is kind of transient boost. So that's something that I think a lot of people saw like in ebbs and flows for the most part. Um, And, you know, kind of the same thing in the last recovery cycle after 2008, there was a lot of um, demand in secondary and tertiary markets that really stood out. Um, You know, is there anything that you're seeing, you know, similar in this time around, you know, anything that's surprising you? in certain markets, whether it's good or bad, um, you know, across your portfolio? I know you've got some urban, you've got some suburban and, you know, just in general, what, what are you seeing? That's, you know, a surprise.
1: Yeah. So I I mean, I I don't, I I don't think I can say it's a surprise. Um, I I think I I could look at some of our tertiary markets and I'm, really uh, taken back at probably how much better they're doing than, you know, some of our suburb markets or some of our urban markets as well. Um, you know, I, I expected our downtown assets to be hit and be hit hard and more than likely see a bit of that continuing. Um, but, you know, I. I you, I think what was surprising to me is as this came out and you started having somewhat of a relaxation of um, of some of the stay at home um, requirements is the youth sports group piece that was out there and out there in many of these secondary and tertiary markets that had you know uh sports fields or are gyms and things that were hosting these events. Those markets were so strong through this. Um, and it took us back uh, actually by surprise because we didn't think, look, you know, are you going to have the families traveling through this and whatnot? And surprisingly they did. And a lot of, I guess, these, these sports groups had requirements from a safety perspective that, that, you know, maybe the parents couldn't even go watch, but they still traveled. And they stayed back at the hotel and I think it was filmed in many situations. So the secondary and tertiary markets have, I think, really surprised us and surprised us through, through that piece. Um, there's, you know, in, in our airport markets, I mean, so no, to no surprise, or, you know, really been struggling and foresee that probably continuing uh, as well. But, you know, I think that, is the, the tertiary market piece, you know, I look at Arkansas and Conway is probably a great example where, you know, you shockingly look at it and think, man, how are we picking up all these transient consumers uh, that are coming through and why are we running in that market? Let's say, you know, it was about probably 15 to 20% a night more than I'm running at a West Little Rock asset. And I think a bit of it comes down too to where I think some of the consumers say, "Look, I'm going to stay a bit outside of the big city, perhaps because maybe there's this concern of are there more cases there? Perhaps I'm safer in a smaller town." Um, and and then I think also you've got you know perhaps obviously. Uh, a value play that I think a consumer potentially looks at and perceives as probably being cheaper that far out. And as I can tell you, our downtown hotels are probably priced um, lower than, than our tertiary markets right now. And so, you know, that's been a big surprise. And then, you know, our college towns that we have stuff in, which are usually really resilient through this, um, you know, we've, we've, had some, some challenges there and uh, don't see anything telling us any differently. Now you've had some big spikes as far as when students are coming back in, but you know, holistically where those are really resilient markets. They've, they've kind of been up and down and, you know, I've said this to a couple of folks that have asked me, you know, whether it's opinion or whether, you know, what are you seeing? And, you know, I I relate this all to it, to an EKG. Um, I think that's what we're looking at right now. One week it's great, one week it's not. One week the tertiary markets are doing good and the next week my downtown markets did great. And there's no rhyme or reason to it, Andrea, it really isn't. And that's what's been probably crazy about all of this.
0: Yeah. I think there's a lot of people who just have this pent-up travel, you know. I think I, something I mentioned to you is just I feel, you know, pent-up at home, and I want to get out, and I'm I'm looking for places that I feel are safe bets to go to, and um, I think that's the thing. It's, it's whenever somebody hits that, you know, I have to get out of my house because that Groundhog Day feeling is too strong. So, yeah, I think everyone, kind of, like you said, at EKG, operating at their own levels there.
1: Yeah, well, that's a fact. I'm ready to get out too. I can promise you. That. <laughs> I am done. I've got three 13-year-olds in the house, you know, a bit of home, you know, this virtual plus some at school and my wife. I'm completely outnumbered. I need to get the hell out of here.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I could see that being difficult for sure. Um, so this is something you've kind of already hit on, um, but you know, summer obviously it's on its way out now. We're hitting the fall season and then we're getting closer to holidays. And that's something that you mentioned, you know, is, is a fear of kind of an unknown part or what you might have to do. So, you know, how are the hoteliers across the board preparing for that unknown, you know, if it is busy, if it isn't, you know, are you preparing for both situations or, um, you know, how are you just preparing across the board?
1: Yeah, so well, we're, pre- we're pre- preparing for both, but, you know transparently we're seeing the worst um as far unfortunately you know we've continued to really focus more so on you know an on the books scenario as far as so-called forecasting and we've been since this thing probably two weeks after it had started Started a daily on the books review and reviewing it in the month for the month, then the next 30 days, 60 days, 90 days, 120. And then we're doing that every single day to where I can start seeing patterns. We're seeing patterns or we're seeing nothing and going, okay, while this is working right now, realistically, we need to start talking for October. There's nothing on the books. If we looked at October now, versus what I looked at August and July, well, guess what? We're more than likely close to 38%, 39% down to that in, in what's what was booked at the time. And so you look at it saying, okay, although our booking patterns are short, the, the, you know, traditionally and historically numbers don't lie and we're going to run in patterns like that. Now that's liable to potentially change because of the transient leisure piece that was so significant in July, which if that's the case, well then we're in even more trouble mm-hmm. because the end of the month weather the month's not going to be very big and there is no corporate travel to say much of there's a lot of L things that we're starting to see some trickling in on items, whether it's companies cleaning vet systems for hotels some transportation companies, but it's all local to those markets and it's a little pieces here, there. And then from a group perspective, it's just non-existent. Yeah. So you can't count on any of it. And so, you know, for us, that's really how we're approaching it and, you know, really taking a look at, look, what is on the books, what was on the books at the time and taking it each day by day. And, recognizing it. I mean, I think surprisingly through this August ended up um we ended up only about 2% down to July yet exceeded June's numbers. And I can tell you going into August and what was previously on the books, I, I was concerned we we're going to be back into what our April numbers were, uh which was just non-existent. And so surprisingly that looked really well, and, and, and September currently is on pace to do what June and August did, we will be below uh, July, but, you know, July was a, a really decent month. So, you know, September even has shown promise. Now, whether it continues, that that's probably the question, is, is that gonna continue? You still have some schools that have delayed getting back in, you do have Labor Day this weekend. And to your point on being pent up, that's going to, you know, I think add some juice to to the numbers, but it'll be telling. I think next week we'll be telling as we start looking at our five, you know, five day patterns to see how much that bookings are dropping off.
0: Yeah. So, you know, obviously there's, the whole industry is hurting overall. There's there's definitely pockets of demand, like we talked about in certain markets are doing well, but, a question I had for you that I find interesting. So, you know, every single brand, big brand, uh, published safety articles, you know, made sure to put it out to their consumers and, and you know, tried to make their brands feel as safe as possible to go to, which is obviously one of the biggest driving choices of whether they do feel that they can book a hotel room or not. Um, do you feel like there's any brands that are faring better than others? And, you know, basically, who do you think is the winner of the COVID safety guidelines and policy and you know is there anything we can learn from them that did really well
1: um look i i think what's great is the leadership that i think chip rogers and those guys at h and la had taken from the get-go which almost kind of kicked the franchises into overgear of all right we've got to get to something and have to get to something quickly um but also understanding, you know, from the standpoint of moving forward, what that causes from an owner's perspective, uh, you know, servicing guests perspective, et cetera. But the fact that they they did all the franchises really had worked well, I think with H&LA and trying to somewhat work through their program to start filling in opportunities at theirs, Um, you know, I think all the franchises have done a great job of coming back and also realizing, all right, some of these things on, for instance, um, select-serve assets without F&B that perhaps we're doing breakfasts and things like that. Look, through this, the consumer is not going to want us to put out the food this way, and we need a common-sense approach of, look, we want to give them an offering but it's going to be in a to-go bag and it's going to be pre-packaged and so with that it's allowed us not to have to carry the amount of inventory you normally would for breakfast it's allowed us to efficiently do it and the consumers are good with it uh, right now um, I, I think when i look at it from each brand perspective i'll tell you your economy I don't know, economy franchises, I wouldn't even call them economy franchises, but maybe some that are maybe a bit more weighted on the economy side and the extended stay side are doing much better. Yeah. Um, you know, when we look at our choice portfolio versus our IHG, our Marriott, our Hilton, they are outperforming these other assets that traditionally have outperformed them yeah Um, and so that's been you know i think a bit surprising but also speaks to the fact that i think you have this pent-up component you do have families that even perhaps previously didn't travel as much or if they did their vacations were spent in one fall and so now they're perhaps spreading that out to go do smaller trips and hey if i'm going to do it then i've got to save money and, and, and in their minds it's through a value brand, um, but th- those have outperformed. Now I'll, I'll tell you, you know, I, I think from this, all of them have been supportive and helpful and um, working actually with the franchisees through this stuff and um, recognizing the importance from a consumer perspective. You know, we, we've seen some information recently, which I'm sure you've seen as well, that um, Cindy Estes Green from Calibri had come up with and the amount of consumer growth in regards to a brand.com versus OTA, that, if you look back to the 08 financial crisis, that gap of how OTA had really started outpacing the brands and bookings from the consumer, that gap, is c- closed on same type of you know totally different crisis but you got to use something of history to say what happened in the consumer's choices that brand.com is now outpacing ota bookings in the consumer and i think that's probably going to continue because in the consumer's mind they look at it and say i trust the franchises i i, I know that they're going to require the type of cleaning and the type of safety elements that I'm gonna need in staying there, where I may not know that if I booked through an OTA with an independent or with or Airbnb potentially. And so to see that growth, like this, I do think it speaks to what that consumer's seeing. And I think you've got franchises, for instance, like Hilton, who were really ahead of really everybody. They're the only franchise that's actually figured out holistically, this digital key piece. Mm -hmm. And that is a piece right now that out there for the consumer as you're coming out of this is really a great marketing tool that, you know, I think puts confidence in the consumer that, hey, I don't have to go and have other touch points. I can book my room and I can actually walk in the hotel without even talking to anyone and have chosen my room and gotten there And, and they've expanded upon that further. But the fact that, look, they're pushing us, too, in regards to whether it's, hey, having masks, um, because that's important to the guests right now. By chance, when they travel, they forgot to bring theirs or hand sanitizers and multiple touch points. All those are things that they've done to assist us and to push us as well. Um, You know, I do think at times, while there's a requirement of us having to really step up even further, um, the health side of things as far as cleaning. Look, our franchise requirements from brand standards, we already cleaned thoroughly. Yeah, And so I'm sure there are holes here and there that anybody could point out, but that process was already significant. Um, you know, I think those are the things that we just need to probably as an industry really point out. Um, But, you know, I I laugh, laugh, but I know it's also, I think, somewhat satisfying for the consumer and puts ease in their mind is this piece where Hilton has done where you're putting after you've cleaned the room, there's this stamp of, you know, hey, sealed and ready to go for your safety at the door. So when the consumer does it, it breaks the tape. And uh, I sit there and go, it's a brilliant idea. And then I start thinking back to the days when we actually used to put covers in toilets to make people know, hey, we cleaned the toilet. Yeah. So we've come a long way, but uh, you know, I, I, the franchises are doing things to really do that. And consumers, I think you're showing confidence, I think, in their belief in the franchises. And and I think that'll probably continue that way.
0: Yeah, I think you're right. I think there was just a lot of education that needed to get done to the consumer and i think yeah with the help of the brands and the you know ahla i think they gave a lot of good head start so yeah it's great input so switching gears a little bit to kind of hotel development so you know back in 2008 do you think it'll you know the current situation with recovery do you think it's going to follow a similar kind of arc in hotel development pipeline or do you think it's going to be different and you know i guess the question really comes down to when the recovery is but let's say vaccines out there people feel safe you know is it gonna just boom or you know how do you expect the growth of the pipeline
1: yeah well I think we're already on a pretty significant <laughs> incline in regards to supply pre-COVID mm-hmm. um and so I I, I don't I, look I, I don't I think it is a different time obviously um than 08 but i don't i don't see a similar arc i think when you look back at 08 you also had several markets uh throughout the country that had had perhaps outdated uh assets that had lived probably their life expectancy as a certain upper tier franchise that are needed to be replacement of that key count into the market to get the new uh shiny you know brand that was out there to replace the old and there was opportunities in that to do it and as well the cost of construction at that point was so significantly less your cost of construction was already on the creep when this occurred so you, you can only bet that that continues in its path whether it be the cost of the labor to do it or the cost of the actual supplies themselves uh for from a construction standpoint i think the other piece that i look at and say well why why not potentially an arc because (laughs) i'm not certain that a lot of these assets that are now closed potentially come back into circulation so i think you're going to look at potentially the opportunities being more so on the standpoint of you know development being okay we're going to purchase existing assets that are potentially over leveraged and in trouble um possibly you know repurposing assets from one franchise to another uh i think you may even see some independents moving themselves into the soft brand side of some of these franchises and i think if there's a franchise out there that is willing to be um Somewhat open to these independents not potentially having to make stringent leaps of faith and needing certain hallmarks that make it very expensive for them to play in that soft brand world under their flags. I think that'll be the franchise that wins because um, so I think there'll be a bunch of that. I, I just see the cost of construction being too high. I I think that we're in a tough time currently from a lending perspective. The um, If if it's a matter of even refinancing right now, if you're trying to find that, it's a space right now where the lenders are scared to death of. And when's it going to come back? And is it going to come back? And so, if you even had performing assets pre-COVID that you look at and say, "Man, we should try and refi," well, look, you're talking fifty percent LTVs, you know, loan the values on what they're requiring. So then, that's really having to come up with additional equity to buy the thing down and so it's it's a tough situation and so for me it points to everything that you know i don't think you'll see that on the development side however i think with that being said i think what you are seeing is you are seeing activity from these franchises where developers are buying you know hey i would like to a franchise and saying i'd like to go put this franchise uh downtown new orleans or downtown dallas and the franchises are selling and they're buying but i think they're also looking at it going well look i probably have three years uh four years potentially to really get this thing under construction and by that point maybe things settle down and we see a bit of a boom again in some markets uh, in regards to development because you are seeing that that's that's the other surprising piece right now and i think people are doing it to probably protect you know, the fact that, hey, there could be an opportunity in a certain market if I go get this franchise, let me go lock it up right now. It doesn't mean I have to go build it, um, but I can, you know, have it ready to go as things turn the corner. But I don't see this being an OE arc where, you know, three or four years, it's just, you know, five years is significant um, construction growth. And then, I mean, look, that's ca- carried into to even this year.
0: Mm hmm. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. It's something that Chip Rogers actually brought up on uh, one of the AHLA calls was, you know, the number of hotels in New York that probably won't reopen their doors. So that is definitely, you know, right on target with what they're looking at with their numbers as well.
1: I could see that for sure.
0: So, you know, bringing up you know we mentioned that this is something that you know nobody expected nobody you know knew how to deal with it initially you know everyone just had to get creative but now that we've been through this at least initially um how do you think that covid is going to actually affect and influence development in the future when things do start getting built or even in you know renovations for example
1: yeah look i think you're gonna have to prepare for the next pandemic um And so, with that, it's different lighting, it's different cloth potentially used or flooring uh, in a room that potentially is there a way that you can disinfect a room without potentially having to even have human interaction or touch. So, I think that gets into all our, our OSE adjustments. I think there's adjustments that are going to be made, obviously, from a technology standpoint on touchless involvement from a consumer's perspective. So I think when you look at it and you're, you're getting in a development piece right now, it's looking on okay, what can we instill into our design components and, and our flow of service that allows for some type of spacing if we need it? It allows for less touch points and in not interaction because I do think it's, we're in the hospitality business Human interaction is still going to be there, but how do we do it with not having to have as much and what can the consumer control? So I think these things that may have been, you know, talk points and and were on the drawing board, for instance, a smart room where the consumer can get to their room without even having to go to the front desk and they can do everything from their phone where they're not having to touch the television remote, they're not having to touch the PTAC unit or the digital thermostat uh, or, or potentially even the water in the sink. I, those are the things that I think is how it's gonna change you know, drastically the development piece to be prepared for, okay, if this is what we're gonna do, then we need to be prepared for that. next that's pandemic because if you are, that consumer is then gonna feel a whole lot more comfortable about utilizing the asset or the brand or the franchise. And you're seeing that right now. And in the midst of this, everybody's coming from under a rock that's you know now some expert on disinfectants and disinfectant options and whether it's a light bulb or, you know, a sprayer that you can put in the room to spray, which I kind of laugh at because it's like, oh yeah, that's the best way to do it. And has anybody studied what that's actually going to do to my drapes and my fabrics exactly.
0: in the long world? term? <laughs>
1: yeah. So it's like, yeah, well this is what we need to do. It's like, well, okay. I went from a 10 year lifespan on my furniture to now maybe two, uh, yeah. cause we find out it destroys it. So, I think those are the pieces um, that are really gonna change the development piece of, of our industry.
0: Yeah, that's great information all around. Well, that's all my questions for you. So Carrie, is there anything else that you want to share about H or you know anything else that you want to add to the conversation before well, no,
1: that, that was a lot that we covered. <laughs>
0: that was a lot of really great stuff. So thank you so much, you know, for joining us. Um, obviously always a really great time talking with you. Um, And to our listeners, thanks again for joining us at Hotel Happy Hour. If you enjoyed this episode and would like to know more, check out our website at purplecloudtech.com or follow us on LinkedIn for up-to-date information on our future guests. And check back in with us in about two weeks for our next episode. And thank you again for listening.